0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and longtime host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA 23. I'm joined, as I always am, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, longtime colleague and friend of mine as well. And uh, we're coming at you with a little bit of basketball talk tonight, a little football talk on the back end as it relates to uh, Alabama Athletics. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, of course, is talking underscore tide. You can get links to all our podcasts right there. Catch us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, live as well on YouTube and Facebook. I want to thank a couple of sponsors very quickly locally. That would be Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and more broadly, DraftKings sponsoring the Talking Tide podcast. Travis will jump in. Uh, with a little bit of basketball good timing for this one here uh, midweek for us as we head into the SEC tournament Alabama coming off a regular season ending loss to Texas A&M on the road final score 67 to 61 let's go ahead and start there just to kind of clean that up uh, even though we're several days past it now Uh, but but you know Alabama has been playing tight ones of late, right? Prior to Texas A&M, uh, you're talking about a tight game with uh, South Carolina, a tight game with Arkansas, a tight game with AU, uh, and then Texas A&M uh, gets over the top, hangs that uh, loss, that second SEC loss on Alabama for the season, Travis. Did you kind of see this coming based on the way they would played – in the previous three games, or, or did you expect Alabama to get this one done? I kind of saw it coming, coming personally, not just because of that, but also because of the uh, the the factor of them coming right off that regular season SEC title. You wonder if maybe you're a little flat after that. I, I this this one wasn't hard to read, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think if there was fatigue, it had to have been probably even more mental than physical and you're right it has been a grind but this is a team that go 10 or 11 deep you know Nate's not afraid to play a lot of guys so it's not like they've been rolling with a seven or eight man rotation but the mental aspect of it of everything that this team has been through really it's a long long season and probably as much as anything the slow starts that we've seen from this team over the last couple of weeks was an indicator that something like this would eventually catch up with them. You scored 22 points and a half like Alabama did in the first 20 minutes last Saturday. um, And and you're, you're suspect to to being uh, knocked off by a really solid Texas A&M team. That's the thing that shouldn't get lost in all this. I mean, that was the second place team in the sec last Saturday that knocked off Alabama and look, Wade Taylor, terrific player on the ball. Uh, Tyrese Radford, really good player at the other guard position. They say this time of year is about guard play. I think that's where you start with the A&M game, too. Uh, Javon Quinterly did another good job coming off the bench. But you know, between Jaden Bradley, Mark Sears, uh, some of the guys off the bench like Ryland Griffin and Maury Burnett, they just weren't good enough at the guard position either. Yeah. You mentioned slow
0: starts. No doubt. That's been a theme late in the season for Alabama. A lot several slow starts that that's caught them, uh, flat footed multiple times, Texas A&M, no different. Also at issue down the stretch for Alabama, cold shooting. And, uh, in the words of Henry Parker, let me uh, grab my glasses. Let me get my glasses. Yes. Yeah. Our, uh, you go. Are, uh esteemed uh, slam dunk winner for the greatest 30, 30, 30, for 30 <laughs> of all time. That, that pony excess, you've got to clip. You've got to pull up pony excess. You've got, to, yeah. you, you, you've got to witness Henry Lee Parker and uh, all his glory, but uh, yeah, mo- not to get off track, uh, cold shooting, Travis, for Alabama basketball, three pointers against AM, 7 out of 36 as a team. And I believe it's tw- over the last four games, which is that stretch mm-hmm. where Alabama has been playing tight ones. They're 25 for 116 from three the last two weeks, Travis, heading into postseason play. Got to be a concern if you're Nate oats, right?
1: Less than 22% over that stretch from three. And as we've talked about, this isn't a team... That has to shoot the three at a high level to win games against solid to formidable competition, but it's got to be better than it was or it has been of late. You know, you can't shoot sub twenty two percent once you get a round or two into the NCA tournament and expect your shelf life to be anything resembling—I don't know, uh, gosh, Twinkies. Um, you're not going to go that long, put it that way. So, you know, a lot of ways this game last Saturday, it it comes down to math. You said it, you know, Alabama shoots 20 more threes than Texas A&M, but ends up plus nine in points off of threes. And then A&M ends up, what was it? Plus 17 from the free throw line uh, in shooting 28 attempts, making 27 of those. Alabama shot free throws at a good rate. 10 of 11 just didn't get there enough. And that's, going to happen when you get 36 threes up in a game. Yeah, Wade Taylor
0: 28 for the game, 10 out of 10 from the line. Uh, Tyrese Radford 10 out of 10 from the line as well, but those two guys Travis knocked down 20 for 20 from the yep. free
1: throw line for, for the Aggies uh, and they've been a and uh, they, they A&M, uh, A&M a perfect 13 of 13 in the final three minutes and change Yeah, last so, Yeah, That's called getting your ass closed out. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's what's going to happen if a team's going to make free throws and get to the free throw line at that clip and then make them.
0: No doubt about it. Alabama falls for their second SEC loss of the year to Texas A&M as we spin it ahead. Travis, looking forward to the Southeastern Conference tournament coming up uh, beginning Wednesday, technically, kind of that little play-in day on Wednesday and moving on through the championship game on Sunday. Uh, Alabama is looking ahead with that double bye and a Friday start at the Gators or the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Your thoughts about what awaits uh, or what likely awaits Alabama?
1: Yeah, it's hard not to like Mississippi State in that game for the simple fact that Colin Castleton's not around now for Florida. Had that hand injury a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss. So that was a devastating loss for the Gators. We saw in Tuscaloosa, what he's capable of doing. He was phenomenal. Uh, The lone bright spot for the Gators in that blowout loss to Alabama in the regular season. Uh, Tulu Smith was a bit up and down. Meanwhile, for Mississippi State, uh, not so much a factor in the first go-around in Starkville, really struggled from the free throw line, uh, but was better in Tuscaloosa. That was a three-point game, you know. I would say Mississippi State, the tougher matchup of the two. I know Florida won a couple games in a row to close out the regular season. I think those came against LSU and Georgia, though. Um, Certainly not top-tier competition in the league. Um, But you almost feel like Alabama owes Mississippi State a a favor or two after Mississippi State knocked off Texas A&M, right, and really helped make that game last Saturday in College Station – Uh, insignificant in relation to the outright SEC title for the Crimson Tide.
0: Yeah, Alabama locked that one down going into Texas A&M. Nate Oates preempted the question uh, in his pre-Texas A&M news conference. He preempted the question about whether or not Alabama uh, was going to be flat or or, or unfocused for an A&M because they had just won the regular season title, and did they have anything to play for? Uh, and, and his comment to that was, look, we're, we're going into season postseason play as soon as this game is over. So, yeah, the the the, uh, the motivation is we haven't been playing great lately. We better play our best basketball now um, so that we're, you know, firing on all pistons going into the postseason. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, but uh, that was kind of Oats's approach going into A&M.
1: Uh, and of course, here's, now go ahead. Here's the. Here's the thing. Alabama was still up three with about four minutes to go last Saturday. After everything that happened in the first half, after all the turnovers, after the poor shooting from three, on the road in a raucous environment, they were still up three and uh, had a chance to win that game. So I I know that sort of the tone coming out of that game was – it was almost as if Alabama slept through that loss to Texas A&M. And again, the start just wasn't good. Um, but they found themselves a little bit, got their legs back under them there in the second half, hit the boards, uh, were much more, uh, hard hat worthy in the second half than they were in the first half for sure. When you looked at second chance points and things like that, even points in the paint, um, Rebounding, things like that in the first half. It was AM's kind of game. And it was still AM's kind of game because it was a game in the mid 60s, right? I mean, that's the game Texas AM wanted. And even with all that, Alabama still had a chance. I think the finish to this regular season can be a positive for Alabama because it was almost too easy for Alabama in January, wasn't it? And right. a lot of February. So we kind of anticipated this team. With Tennessee, with Auburn a couple of times, with Arkansas, part two, um, and down the stretch, it was, it was going to help sharpen in some ways this team's medal. And I think that's happened. I guess we'll find out more in Nashville coming up, though.
0: Yeah, where do you sit on as far as what Alabama wants to get out of the SEC tournament? And obviously, everybody's gunning for a championship. But beyond that, Travis, as they look ahead to the NCAA tournament, Look, they call the NCAA tournament the big dance. By definition, that means the SEC tournament's the little dance. So (laughs) in terms of the bigger picture and and setting themselves up for NCAA tournament success, what do you see as uh, as, as what they need to kind of accomplish in the SEC tournament, regardless of what the win-loss record
1: in the tournament is? I think they need to see some threes go in. You know, uh, even if they eventually bow out with something short of the SEC tournament championship for their trip home to Tuscaloosa, if they can see the ball go through the hoop from three, they've got some guys that they need to re-ramp, I guess you could say. Guys like Rylan Griffin, guys like Namari Burnett, who you don't think about as much because they come off the bench, but man, you know those two guys right there over the last four or five games have really struggled to score the basketball and you know they anticipate not much of a drop off when they go that route to those kind of guys uh in three point shooting so those type of things from a seeding perspective i would think a win or two should put them in a great spot for a number 1 seed maybe not the number 1 overall seed because we don't know how things are going to play out elsewhere um but they just need to, to to get a win or two at least. Uh, if they make it to Sunday in the final, I think they're in pretty good shape, I would think, for a one seed. But, you know, again, we talk so much about seeds, and th- there's no context because we don't know the draw, you know. There are times where I'd rather be a two or maybe even a three than a one based on a draw for a two or a three versus a draw for a one. So until we get to selection Sunday and we actually see the brackets filled out, it's going to be kind of impossible to say what represented a winning weekend for Alabama and Nashville.
0: All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. Uh, We're going to start by telling you all about – DraftKings. Uh, NBA fans, time, of course, to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly, plus for a limited time. All new and existing customers can get a no sweat, same game parlay every single day. So download the app now, sign up with the code TPPN. That promo code is, of course, the acronym for the Pigskin Podcast Network. That helps us out here on Talking Tide. New customers, once again, can bet $5 on the NBA. Get $200 in free bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner
1: of the NBA. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530. McFarland Boulevard North and the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa March Madness is here, and if you're going to just sort of post up on the couch, then you need to have your treats right there with you, and there's no better place to take care of that than at Peterbrook Chocolatier, the champions of chocolate. I'll tell you what I would do. If I was fixing to watch a lot of basketball, and I would probably be mixing in some of the players' championship and professional golf this week, the Masters just down the road. I'd go to that center console right there as you walk into Peter Brook Chocolates here in Tuscaloosa. It's right there. You just grab your one of those bags and you just hit, you hit the canisters. You maybe get a little bit of the dark chocolate almonds. You mix in maybe some of those dark chocolate cranberries. They've got the milk chocolate peanuts, all of those kind of goodies waiting for you right there at that console right there. That console a council of uh, a decadence, I like to call it, right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You cannot beat Peterbrook Chocolatier.
0: I was over that way on the service road today, had a little ENT appointment with uh, a doctor, straightened my nose out a little bit. Then I move on over to Southern Ale. Uh, A former sponsor of this program, by the way, and uh, still great friends. Yeah, absolutely. Great folks over there. Got a couple of uh, burgers to go there. And the next step was headed for Peterbrook, and I, I I fought the urge <laughs> just enough to get into the car. But it was like it felt like the the tractor being from the Death Star or something, you know, <laughs> just just uh, pulling me in there. But but uh, I I just barely managed to uh, to break the uh, magnetic force, Travis.
1: Yeah, that Southern Ale Peterbrook one two punch. I don't think you can beat it in West Central Alabama, Good bread. I don't I think it's undefeated. You know,
0: no doubt about it. All right, the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. couple of minutes to go here on the broadcast, Travis. But uh, here on a Tuesday night, figured we'd bring up the latest in scheduling drama in the Southeastern Conference here in the last, I don't know, five days or so, certainly since the last time we podcasted. Uh, we've now heard Nick Saban and LSU coach Brian Kelly essentially essentially, spill the beans on what they think is coming down the pike <laughs> with that 9-3 schedule format, nine conference games that, that uh, most expect to be approved uh, with three permanent opponents for each school. Saving clearly not thrilled and talking to SI.com's Ross Dellinger, uh, about the, uh, the three that were apparently sent his way from the SEC. Maybe preliminary, right? We, we haven't heard from Greg Sankey that this is official, so we don't know that it is. But th- this, this has been floated from the league office to the coaches, at, at the very least, as a rough draft. Uh, Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, as Alabama's three permanent opponents, Brian Kelly of LSU, uh, came back just the other day, I think, talking to Heather Denich of ESPN.com and said, Yeah, uh, we, we got ours too. Uh, looks like we're getting Alabama, Ole Miss, and AM. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, all we need now is, uh, a dozen other coaches to chime in and we'll have, we'll be able to finish the puzzle, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, Nick and, and Brian Kelly, they ain't out here one at a time. It? They mass communicate. That's right. are talking out of school, too, maybe a little bit. Something that uh, Big Greg might have to send a little email out, a little memo. Yeah. Guys, guys, <laughs> reminder, nothing has been finalized. <laughs> Oh, uh, Greg might have to have a a talk with those coaches again. How about Greg every year at those SEC spring meetings? It seems like Greg first thing has to address his football coaches. Yeah, he had yeah. Nick and Jimbo last year, right? Right. Yeah. Now he's yeah. gonna have to he's gonna have to chide them a little bit about that uh, talking out of school with the schedules. I mean, look. I mean, I'm selfish. I'm greedy. At what Brian Kelly and Nick Saban are talking about as far as schedules for their teams, the three permanents, I love it. I think that's, it makes sense for both teams, right? When you think about football history and the games that people want to see and trust us, as we move into this next era of college football, the sched, the essence schedule, good bread, it's a dollar
0: sign.
1: It's yeah. a dollar sign. Yeah. And uh, that's what this is all about. I mean, ultimately, you look at the the money that the networks are paying for uh, the Big Ten now and and certainly the SEC with ESPN. Mm -hmm. um, That's that's what this starts with. So but I get it, too, from the coach's perspective. You want competitive balance, as they like to say. So um, with that, you know, you're going to have to come up with some ways to, I think, satisfy those folks. And, look, non-conference scheduling is a part of this too, Chase. I mean, there's already been some non-conference scheduling done. We're already seeing it. Look at Alabama next season. You get Texas and Tuscaloosa. Alabama's going to South Florida in, in 2023. Yeah. And then you start playing nine nine conference games with that kind of non-con because mm-hmm. you were anticipating an expanded college football playoff, and that net that you thought you had that you were going to have working beneath you, well, it's a little smaller when you start bringing in Texas and Oklahoma and you start talking about playing LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee on an annual basis. Now, look, two, five years ago, I don't know if most people would have looked at it and said, yeah, you know, LSU and Auburn, sure, but Tennessee until this last year really weren't a lot of people talking about the balls lately.
0: No, that's that's for sure. And and, and look, you, you pile up that non-conference schedule, you get and, and and some and some of these permanents, if if they tilt the wrong way, yeah, you're looking at some monstrous. You're looking you're at you're looking great, at about
1: eight or nine 50-50 games. You're looking at great
0: Perkins eighty-six level schedule toughness. Yeah, yeah, you know, that one's brutal. you know. Uh it it's uh it, it could get pretty nasty. But again, and I've written this for the T News. It uh, I could I could I would have more sympathy for the argument for balance if the CFP was sailing into the future, sticking with that four-team yeah. format, right? right? But but now that the CFP is ripping this thing open and tripling the size to 12 teams, yeah. there's good there's the two lost team the better two lost teams are in. Go look at the rankings, the final CFP rankings the last few years. You're going to have three lost teams. You should. Uh, yeah, you know, you may be getting into that playoff, Travis. And so uh, w- when you look at it from that standpoint, for me, it leads me toward uh, the, the, the side of the fence where, you know, people just people just want the best football
1: out there. I Oh, there's no doubt about it. And you know? Nick Saban himself is on record that. Yeah, he wants nine conference games. You got him. Well, well, this is the way it's possibly going to work. Be careful what you wish for. But I think Nick also understands the bigger picture of economics and fan engagement because what we've seen of late isn't working in every realm of fan engagement. You're not packing out stadiums still that have capacities of 100,000. While also maximizing television deals, um, right. you're kind of in a position where you're having to do a lot of this. Again, I- I'm not sure if there was as much forethought given to uh, non-conference scheduling, in addition mm-hmm. to where these conferences are going, because it looks like the home and homes are back, right? So there's some years you, know, you could be what at Notre Dame, at LSU, at Auburn. In the same year, those type of road games. Well, how about the year con and your conference games? And nobody's gonna feel sorry for Alabama. I don't think Nick expects that either, but no, he's gotta he's he's got as the head coach, he's gotta get out there and, you know, kind of beat the rush a little bit in terms of making his case for competitive balance. And he's got some years lined up where it's two non-cons
0: from a major conference, you know, that I mean. could be a little yeah. bit of a snarl. So yeah. you had, you had two tough non-cons, not every year, some of these years yeah. in, that, that have been scheduled in the future, there, there's only one, uh, but, but a lot of those years,
1: they've got two power. And you five catch them in a non-con con where, well, one of those is going to be on the road. You know, you're right. not going to probably have two non-kinds in the same year at home or two on the road. So you
0: add that to a nine-game schedule, you, you're talking about one cupcake,
1: one. And then, the, then that well, three losses you can still. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Three losses, you should still get in, but there, there could be years where man, I know Alabama hasn't lost three games in a season since what, 10? 2010, but. Um, it just feels like in some ways with where we're headed, I guess the argument's going to go from should a two loss team get in to just two uh, to three loss teams and not just should they get in, but which one out of about three or four, if it comes down mm-hmm. to, it. Yeah. you know, we're just, we're just pushing the argument along,
0: pushing it along and just scratching the surface, Travis. I, I but hope. we should have better
1: regular season football in terms of matchups week in and week out. And I that's mean, the point.
0: Yeah, there's no question about that. Better football is coming. Uh, and it's uh, on the whole, it's an exciting thing. Uh, I hope, Travis, my wish would be that the remaining SEC permanent opponents for each SEC team come out one school at a time about every uh, four or five days from now until Destin, and then by the time we get to Destin, every everything's out. It's all out there. Almost all of it's out there. That was just one one school at a time, you know. Greg Greg's
1: gonna put the K-bosh on that. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna throw up. Instead of Ron Washington waving you around third, you know, <laughs> he's gonna be throwing that stop sign up. I think after these uh these two uh these two uh, unscheduled releases that we've, we've heard about water on the fire. Uh-huh. coming. Well, it's and coming. also, you know, SEC spring meetings is about to become the way I see it. Like SEC media days. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be a couple of months earlier. You right. know, it's, and, and look, SEC spring meetings in comparison to SEC media days, as far as impactful news that comes from either, yeah. SEC spring meetings runs laps around yep. SEC media days. Yes. So Greg may be promising, you know, the SEC network and ESPN that, you know, we'll have programming from Destin that'll be engaging, you know. <laughs> so you got you to yep. save some of these, uh, some of this schedule talk. Talking season. Talking season gets it, early. Travis. It just never ends. It's, I uh-uh. mean, with social media now, it's just, yeah, three three 365.
0: No doubt about it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide Podcast. Travis and I will be back for a recap of Alabama's outcome in the SEC tournament. Uh, we'll look ahead, of course, to Alabama's uh, first-round NCAA tournament foe. We'll, of course, be finding all of that out. On Sunday night, Travis, I suppose we uh, can schedule a Sunday night or be perfect timing coming out of that selection Sunday. So we'll see you then right here on Talking Tide for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of Tuscaloosa News. We'll talk to you next time.